This episode of Paranormal Heart is brought to you by Nodakian Studios. If you're looking for a fine piece of stoneware pottery, check out Nodakian Studios at nodakianstudios.com, as well as on Facebook, where she periodically gives away pieces of pottery. Again, check out Nodakian Studios at nodakianstudios.com. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart. I'm your host, Kat Ward. As always, you can find me on Podbean and YouTube, as well as New Lantern Media, Amazon Podcasts, and any place you find, find podcasts. Now, this episode's shout-out goes to my listeners in the U.S., in the state of New York. Now, all of you amazing listeners in the States, New York has the highest amount. I thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm going to do something a little different this episode. I actually don't have a guest, but stories from a listener. He wishes for me to only use his first name, and I will respect that. He wanted to share some stories that he has encountered himself, as well as people he knows personally. Now, these people have given him permission to tell their stories. I also have a guest narrator who will be doing one of the stories. His name is Brian Anderson, and you'll probably recognize his amazing voice from the intro of the show. Before I get to the episode, I want to thank Logan for sending me these stories. I appreciate you not only being a listener, but also taking the time to writing down these stories and sending them to me. Greatly appreciate you. So, let's get to it. Here are Logan's stories. So, I work at a large natural gas processing facility in the U.S. It was built in the hills in West Virginia in well-known Indian territory, as the whole area is. John Keel said in his book Mothman Prophecies that the Native Americans avoided settling this area for as long as they could, until they were basically forced to by other peoples. It has been reported to us in operations by people in a position to know such things that during the 30-plus million dollar earth-moving project, when this place was being built, that Native American fragments and items and bones were discovered and either moved or relocated. Strange things have happened, but nothing that the blue-collar workers here really like to talk about. These next two events happened within the last six months. Story number one. A young co-worker of mine was walking around our facility at around 3 a.m. doing his rounds when he noticed something flying in the air. When I pressed him on the size of this, he said, like the size of a glider or a small airplane, and he also added that It seemed like it was following me. It really freaked me out. It was silent. He tried to rationalize this as a drone or something from our pipeline division, which doesn't make any sense. 
They don't use drones. They wouldn't use them out on our facility at 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And there is a strict no-fly-over policy above our facility, up at certain altitude, which this thing was violating. It was also very silent. This blew my mind, and I pressed him for a little more. Let me say first that this kid was in the Army Reserve, grew up in southern West Virginia, and is known for being a straight shooter. It was making him kind of uncomfortable talking to me about stuff he clearly didn't understand. I pressed a little more, and he finally chilled my blood when he said, I felt like it was looking at me or watching me. I was floored and immediately started pressing for more details. He added that he didn't see any eyes or anything like that, but he could just feel that this thing was watching him. That was all I could get from him. No more than a month later, one of my older co-workers came into the control room where I work and was obviously upset about something. I keyed into this and started asking questions. He said he was down on the back side of our plant, where it's pretty dark and isolated. There is a huge hill that runs up to our fence line from where he was working, with a small road running along the tree line. He was down there working on something alone, when he immediately started feeling watched. It gave him the major creeps. He looks up the hill, and standing at the tree line inside our fence line, he said he saw something that looked like it was 8 to 10 feet tall and had huge white eyes glowing, staring right at him from maybe 50 to 75 yards away, just standing there staring. It scared him so bad that he ran back to his truck and pulled it down where he was working with the headlights on, but the thing was still there, still staring right at him. He left in a hurry. When he came back in 15 minutes, it was gone. He was genuinely and obviously shaken by this experience. Neither of these two guys has ever expressed interest in the paranormal or supernatural and have no desires to fabricate stories for whatever sort of exposure would bring them. Folks, I really cannot imagine working in that line of business in the middle of nowhere where there's no cell reception, drilling for whatever it is they're drilling for, and something like this happens. Kudos to any of you who work out in these environments. I mean, these encounters must happen so much more often than we realize. So thank you so much for sharing that story with Logan. Um, even though we don't know your names and we don't exactly know where you're located, I really appreciate you sharing these encounters. On to the next story. So years ago, 2004-ish, I was driving on my ATV in West Virginia at around 1 a.m. The only BFRO report from my area happened only a few miles away from where this happened to me. It was overcast but had an almost full moon overhead, so lighting was decent, but with cloud coverage it would drop out. I was alone and cruising along. At this time, the road was not much more than a two-lane dirt gravel path. It's been paved in the last several years due to an increase in oil and gas traffic. It was uphill heavy vegetation to my right and downhill heavy vegetation to my left. I came to a part of the trail where a large briar bush hung out over the trail and slowed down. Something in my head told me to stop and check my pockets to make sure I had everything I needed. Phone, house keys, wallet, etc. 
I sat idling for maybe 30 to 45 seconds, checking, and slowly started forward in low gear. As I passed by the bush, I hit a rut and my hand slipped off the accelerator and the four-wheeler slowed abruptly. This action probably saved my life. As that happened, almost simultaneously, a basketball-sized rock came flying, and I mean flying with force, like a chess pass in basketball, out from behind that bush and passed within six to eight inches from the front of my face. I felt the wind off of it. I was immediately shocked because my mind could not wrap around how that had just happened. It couldn't have rolled and bounced or anything like that. It landed on the ground and I looked at it for maybe five seconds, stunned. I then heard and felt deep in my chest, over the sound of the idling ATV, a rib rattling deep grunt from maybe six to ten feet away. I floored it out of there. I made it maybe a quarter to half a mile and the ATV sputtered to a stop. Earlier that day I had ridden with friends and ran out of gas in the main tank. I was now sitting in the middle of this trail in now silent woods with nothing but headlights dead ahead and red brake lights behind. I had a reserve tank so I reached over and turned the knob to the res setting and as I did this, now on the downhill side of the trail, I heard what can only be described as a bulldozer crashing through the woods headed in my direction. I mean, it sounded like a total cacophony of noise and closing fast. Saying that this was not the place I wanted to be at that moment is an understatement. As I heard this and realized that something was coming after me, I was seized in fight or flight. The absolute fear and adrenaline hit me so fast and hard that I leaned over the side and threw up. Not afraid to admit it. Luckily, I had relieved myself or I probably would have pissed myself. Total, full-body dread took over. I cranked the choke up to max and fired the ATV up, which felt like an eternity as it had to turn over maybe five times to get the new fuel into the engine, and my hands were shaking so hard that pushing the ignition button was difficult, and I drove as fast and safely as I could all the way home. I shared this with my friends, and we drove back out there the next day and inspected the rock that was thrown. We could pick it up, barely, but nobody could throw it with the strength and distance that I saw come at me that night. It stayed on the side of that trail for years until the roads were improved for increased truck traffic. Holy snap, I cannot imagine a rock that big being thrown at me, barely missing me. I mean, as you said, your friends and yourself could move it, barely. So what could possibly pick up a rock that size and throw it as far as it did? It's got to be something incredibly strong. Now, I've mentioned several times in the past that being a paranormal investigator, I prefer looking for ghosts and not these big cryptids that people are having encounters with because, I don't know, something that is that strong to be able to rip off my head and spit down my neck, I don't want to have anything to do with in any way. The next story will be narrated by my guest narrator, my friend and tech wizard, Brian Anderson. Long story short, 
When I was 17, we had a bad experience camping near haunted train tunnels and sites of sudden tragic death. Mother and son drowning in the creek nearby. Drug dealers killed in a state police shootout at a nearby hunting cabin. And, of course, cheap labor killed building train tunnels. Shortly after nightfall, my cousin and I sat on the creek bank spotlighting fish. We heard and saw the disturbance made by invisible feet, legs, sloshing toward us through the water when we would turn our spotlight off, and it would stop when he illuminated, but we could see the ripples in the water almost perfectly symmetrical and rhythmically headed towards where we were sitting on the creek bank. This scared us pretty bad, but we kept it quiet after a quick rationalization and joined the others gathered at the fire. As we made our way back, we heard the sloshing make it to where we were on the bank and stop. Everyone else thought they were hearing fish we had riled up, but the behavior was wrong. It sounded and looked like an invisible person wading towards us through the water. After the noise ended at the creek bank, we all saw the tall grass disturbed as something ran around the foliage perimeter of our circularly cleared campsite. We then began to hear what sounded like someone talking to each of us, as in speaking gently into the ear of each person, the left ear if that matters, saying, we shouldn't be there, and we needed to leave, before finally addressing us directly and saying slightly more forcefully, you need to leave. As we freaked out and started to run to our ATV, all four of us saw a tall black shadow man wearing what looked like a hat, relaxing against the front of our ATV. It straightened up when we saw it, and it saw us and hung there staring at us for a few seconds. No feet. The legs ended in short wavy lines like looking above the fire at the heat waves. It was darker than the night behind us. The girls screamed and it zipped like a flash back toward the train tunnels people had died in. This happened in the valley along the creek. After putting our story out there, I received a lot of feedback from people who have also had bad encounters in this area over many years. Even a guy I worked with, who I didn't know knew the area, told me that my uncle had hired him to trap in that area, and it was the only place he didn't check traps alone at night. He said it was almost like the animals leave that place at night. No less than a month later, my uncle who owns the property was up on the hill raccoon hunting at night with a dog. At some point, the dog was on a rock face above him and knocked a large rock loose that fell and struck my uncle in the side of the neck. This understandably messed him up pretty bad and paralyzed almost his entire body, but he still had limited functionality on his left side. We could never figure out how he got himself back to his ATV and turned it around and drove himself out of there. It wasn't until probably two or three years later after I had started telling people the story about our shadow man and invisible sloshing experiences that my uncle texted my mother out of the blue. You have no reason to believe my uncle's character reference, but this was a salt of the earth, hunting, farming, working man, even working past his retirement as a millionaire. He was easygoing, but also no-nonsense. In his text to my mother, he said, I've never told anybody this before, and I probably won't again. The man in the hat the kids saw at the creek that night helped pick me up off the ground and put me back on my ATV and get me turned around. Until I heard that, 
Mai had always assumed that the Shadow Man was the one who was trying to scare us out of there. But thinking back on it, maybe he was the one whispering to us, telling us we need to leave and possibly avoid something scarier and more dangerous. Wow, thanks so much, Brian. That was amazing. Folks, you can definitely tell the difference between a professional narrator and someone like myself who had uh, their very first kick at the cat. Thanks again, Brian. That was amazing. This next encounter happened in Pennsylvania. This location has multiple events and sightings and is very remote. I worked for a water transfer company utilizing HDPE pipeline to move water over several miles of hill and valleys to frack sites. Depending on the lay of the land and the distance, sometimes you needed several booster stations to keep the water moving. They were usually isolated, like middle of the woods down in the valleys isolated. Just a sketchy handheld radio to contact the nearest station up the chain. Usually, these stations are just a light plant, a huge loud compressor moving the water, and you. Sometimes you had a truck, and sometimes you didn't. On this night, I was down in a valley at the end of a long gravel road next to a creek at the water source. I had a truck, a light, a water compressor, and a porta potty. No cell service, and only a sketchy radio to the nearest guy a mile uphill. The truck had a flat, but it would run, so I had heat, air conditioning, and a power source. I also had a spotlight. Around 2 a.m., the frack was down and the pumps were off. It was quiet. I heard loud cracks and crashing disruption in the woods line about 30 yards from the front of the truck. I started the spotlight. I couldn't see anything. Next thing I hear is the loudest rib bones vibrating in my chest roar from that tree line and a huge log came sailing out and hit the front of the truck. This roar made the side and rearview mirrors vibrate while it was going on. Then I heard the crashing retreat. I was scared to death. I almost threw up scared. The guy a mile away heard it. I had him come pick me up, and for the rest of the night we ran down there together to fuel or start stop the pumps. I never went there alone after that. After I left that particular job, a few others had some scary experiences but nothing quite like mine. I heard about this next part from a different crew of guys sometimes after I had gone. After a few nights of hearing noises and crashing in the woods, they rearranged the bulbs on the quad bulb light plant to point into that tree line at night. Shortly after they did this, it was found pushed into the creek and totally wrecked between crew change. Approximately 30 to 45 minutes during changeover where nobody was around. Not saying it couldn't have been a group of people, but each time any sort of light, my spotlight and the light plant, was shined into those woods, things happened, and they happened days in a row, and sometimes weeks apart. There would have to be people in those woods almost around the clock, very happy to get out of there. After this job finished, a guy I trust and have known for years had to go down to the spot and pick up a piece of equipment shortly after sundown. Alone. He said as soon as he got out of the truck, he felt weird, like he was being watched or shouldn't even be there. 
This guy had sat in the woods alone on jobs all night alone and never got scared. He shook it off and got the equipment attached. On his way out, he said he saw something he will never forget. On the way out, a huge hulking black figure standing in the tree line watching him drive by from about four feet away scared him literally almost to death. Listening to that last encounter pretty much scared me to death as well, and I wasn't even there. I, I only read the story. Holy Hannah! I just, like I said earlier before, I could not imagine working in an environment like that. Uh, hats off to any of you who work out in the woods like that, or just out in the middle of nowhere, because you, you don't know what's there sometimes. I mean, you're just out there doing your job, whatever you do, and there could be things staring at you, watching you do your work, and you don't even know about it. So that in itself is a scary, scary thought. Well, folks, that is it for tonight's episode of Paranormal Heart. Um, I know it's short, a lot shorter than usual, but I was trying something a little different, as, I, as you all know. Uh, it's the very first time that I have narrated stories, and I really appreciate Logan submitting these stories, uh, these amazing encounters that himself and his um, friends have uh, had happen to them. So thanks again to Logan and your friends for sharing these encounters with us. And thank you so much for Brian Anderson for being my guest narrator on this episode. And uh, if you've had any encounters, as always, send me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. And I would absolutely love to hear from you. Um, looking forward to hearing whatever encounters that you've had. And if you don't want to be on the show and discuss your encounters, you can do as Logan did. Just send me an email, write down the encounter, and I'll be more than happy to read those encounters, those stories for you on the show. And I would also love to hear where you're listening from and what platform you're listening on. Uh, are you listening on your cell phone? Are you listening on your smart TV or your laptop or wherever? Um, absolutely love hearing where all of you are from. And um, that, re that really makes my day. And don't forget on YouTube, there is now a community button or a community section. Um, so we can keep in touch a little easier that way. So if you have questions, comments, just want to say, hey, uh, let me know what's going on. And I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you. And wherever in this crazy world you're located, I hope you're all safe and uh, take care of one another and yourself. Bye for now. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to purpleplanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants.